Lord God, I, I pray that we could simply believe. Lord, just uh, there hasn't been belief in many of your churches in this country. And Lord, we just pray that you bring into existence what hasn't been there, belief, that you are more powerful, that you are God, that you hold the greatest power. And Lord, that uh, you can do something and you have intervened in the past and you can intervene in the present and in the future. And so, Lord, we pray on behalf of our brothers and sisters in in India, especially in the state of Orissa, Lord, that you please uh, protect, rescue, save. Lord, we pray that you'd help them to endure. Lord, that you'd help provide for families. Lord, we pray for the Christians in other areas, nearby, neighboring states of Orissa, Lord, that somehow they'd be able to help. And, Lord, we just pray that uh, the violence would end. Lord, uh, we look to you. And Lord, we know that there are others in other parts of different nations that are also persecuted, arrested for their faith and their trust in you. So God, we, we look to you. Again, we lift them up to you and know that just to say that we, we, we don't forget, we know that they're there. And Lord, uh, we care uh, because one part of the body is hurting and uh, we hurt with them, Lord. So we look to you ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, just recently, uh, my son was uh, sharing with me a story that he came upon, one of these uh, internet legends that kind of get passed along and they, from email to email and uh, Facebook to MySpace. And, and uh, he was sharing the story with me and I was going, wait a minute, I've heard that. And uh, I got excited to tell them that, that it wasn't a legend, that it was, it was a true story, it actually happened, and it was an actual event. And so, although some of the details uh, had been forgotten or changed, uh, I began to share with them how the story really happened. So I, I'd like to share with you uh, this story. It actually occurred um, uh, maybe about 20 years ago. And it, it was uh, recorded and witnessed by a game, guy named uh, Richard Harvey. And he was a medical missionary. And while he was in uh, med school, uh, this event occurred. And at Richard's med school, there was a professor who taught uh, freshman chemistry. And uh, he had quite a reputation. And the reputation was this, that, that every time Thanksgiving came around, uh, this professor, Dr. Lee, uh, for the past, uh, for the 15 years, he would give a lecture before Thanksgiving break that became known as the prayer lecture. And each year before Thanksgiving break, Dr. Lee would say, now all of you students are about to go home. You're going to get together with family. You're going to eat turkey, watch football, and go to religious gatherings, and you're going to give thanks. And he would then ask, do we have any students here that still believe in prayer? If you do, I want to do an experiment with this glass flask and the concrete floor. I'll hold this flask out and I'll drop it. If you believe in prayer, I would like you to pray that it won't break. You can have your Sunday school teacher pray, you can have your minister pray, but it won't do any good. It will still break. And he would stand there like Goliath 
and hand out more taunts to the students. And Richard Harvey says that he squunched down in his seat and he didn't say one word that freshman year. And he went on. Richard Harvey says that he, he went through that class and then went later on in his senior year. He was surprised by a little knock at the door. And it was this little freshman who came, was at his door. And the little freshman said, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. Well, do you believe in prayer? Yeah. Well, I've heard about Dr. Lee's challenge, and I'm getting people to pray. Would you pray for me to have courage and that God would not let that glass flask break? So Richard says that he, he put that on his prayer list. And this little freshman went around. He was gathering other people to pray also. Now, the day before Thanksgiving break, Richard and several other of, of his friends who knew about this skipped class, and they went over to watch Dr. Lee's prayer lecture. And so Dr. Lee's lecture hall was filled with about 300 students. And it came to the end of class, and Dr. Lee began his Thanksgiving spiel. And then he asked the class, does anyone here still believe in prayer? Now, what would you do in that situation? What would you do? What, what do you believe about prayer? Just think. Do you really believe prayer does anybody, anywhere, any good? Suppose you made a decision. Suppose you made a resolution that from now and until February, I will not pray for the next four months. Do you think the next four months would be any different from the last four months? Because if you don't, doesn't it say something about your prayer life? Just suppose you decided that next week that you wouldn't pray. Would next week be any different from last week? Because if it wouldn't, don't you think you're just wasting your time? Or maybe you're doing this thing called prayer wrong. Churches, what, what would be left of churches and their ministries if you eliminated everything God had done as a result of a prayer? What would be left? What if the only thing happening in this world, in this town, your school, this church was happening because of what God was doing because of the prayers you were praying? Suppose God only decided to answer your prayers. Would anything be going on? What do you really believe about prayer? Do things on earth really happen because people pray so that if they didn't pray, they wouldn't happen? Our lives change, but not, not be changed because someone stopped praying. Can prayer really change the course of human events? Is it possible that God can intervene in the affairs of men and he does it because people on earth ask him? I know what the Bible says about God's sovereignty, but do you also know what the Bible says about prayer? From a biblical point of view, you're looking at a great big yes. A great big yes. Here's, here's a little Bible scan for you. As we, and as we scan these events that are recorded in the Bible about prayer, ask yourself, did this really happen? Did this really happen? Genesis, Genesis 15. Abraham prayed to God, and at 100 years old, he was given a son. Did that really happen? 
Genesis 24, Abraham sent a servant to find a wife for Isaac. The servant prays and brings a wife home for Isaac. How would you like that system? We'll send somebody downtown, pray to bring your wife. You like that? Exodus 2, Israelites are slaves in Egypt. And the reason why God was going to deliver them, I have heard my people pray. Exodus 15, the waters of Merah are bitter and undrinkable. Moses prayed, and God makes the water drinkable. Numbers 11, Moses' sister has a bad attitude and gets struck with leprosy. How did she get rid of it? Pray. 1 Kings 17, Elijah stayed with the widow, and her son dies. Elijah prays for him, and he comes back to life. 1 Kings 18, Elijah has a contest with the prophets of Baal, and he soaks the offering and the altar with 12 barrels of water. He prays, and God sends fire that eats up the rocks, the, the water, and the sacrifice. Judges 16, Samson's head is shaved, but he leans against the pillar, one, and he does what? One last time. He prays for strength one last time, and he's given it. 1 Samuel 1, Hannah goes to the temple and does something to get a child. What does she do? She prayed. 1 Kings 3, Solomon needs wisdom. How does he get it? Praise. Daniel 2, people are having dreams. How did Daniel get understanding for those dreams? He prays. 2 Kings 25, King Hezekiah gets sick and he's given 15 extra years to live. How does he get it? He prays. Do you see a common thread running through the Old Testament? Something needs to be done, somebody prays, something happens. Something needs to be done, somebody prays, something happens. Somebody needs help, somebody prays, and they get help. Right in the middle of all these things is prayer, prayer, prayer. God's people are a people who come to him and pray, and God does something. Amazing. Did those things really happen? Yes. Yes, it did. I believe it did. So far as the biblical view is concerned, do you think prayer is something that accomplishes something? Yes. Yes. Look at the New Testament. Matthew 7, 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. And everyone who knocks on the door, it will be opened to them. In Matthew 21, uh, verses 21 and 22, Jesus says, If you say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, have no doubt that it will happen. If you believe, you'll receive what are you ask for in prayer. John 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask. So you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 15, 7, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. John 15, 16, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 16, 23, he says, you won't ask me, but my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Verse 24, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name. Go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. My Father will give. My Father will give. My Father will give. Do you kind of get the idea that the Lord is inviting us to do something here? He's inviting us. What do you think He's inviting us to do? Yeah, ask. To pray. That's what He's inviting us to do. We have a great invitation to do this thing called prayer. He's asking us. He's inviting us. 
And look, and look how broad this invitation is. Look into what the Apostle Paul tells us about this invitation to pray. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, Paul says, don't worry about anything, but just pray about everything. That's pretty broad. Everything. Pray about everything. If I had just one gift that I could give to my kids, just one gift, I think it would be for my kids to know how to pray. For them to know how to pray. I honestly believe that for them and for us, and for us, if they really knew how to pray, all kinds of problems would be solved in their lives. Nine-tenths of what they struggle with wouldn't be a struggle anymore. The stuff that they have questions for, they could get answers to. If I could make them and make you desire to do something today, it would be just to pray about everything. Pray about everything. I mean, the big stuff, the little stuff, and everything in between. I'm convinced that if you would, if, if, if you could, I'm convinced that, that you would be able to solve problems better. You'd be, able, be wise. You'd be able to move through life better. You could get guidance and direction for your life that others don't get. In general, I think life would be a whole lot better if we just prayed about our problems. There are lots of good Christians who really aren't praying. They talk to counselors. They talk to friends. They even pay people to hear about their problems. They they talk to everybody but God. And they're well-meaning Christians. But just suppose you encounter problem time. Problem time is here. And behind door number one, behind door number one is uh, some people counseling with people that are really impressive and have all kinds of titles and famous and they've written books. And then behind door number two, you have Jesus. Now, who would you like to talk to? I'd go for door number two, Jesus. I mean, he's, he's been around a really long time and he's a lot smarter than these other folks. Yet, every time, people choose, don't choose Jesus. I mean, if you could pick to talking, if you could pick between talking to me or talking to Jesus, who do you think could give you a better answer? Jesus. Yes, every time you better believe it. He's, he's, he's the one to go to. Why would you pick a person over Jesus? Why? If you have a problem, the first strategy is to go before the Lord. Talk to him. But what if you also prayed about the little dinky things? What if you prayed about the little dinky things? What if you did that too? You know, say that you're out at, at the movie theater and you're wondering if, she, if you should go in and see that movie. So instead of calling your friends to get their opinion, you just stood there in front of the theater and started talking to your father whether you should go see it. Could God let you know whether or not to go see that movie? I mean, without even seeing the trailer, the advertisement, or reading a review from your favorite person, critic in the newspaper, do you think God could tell you that? I mean, it's not the biggest thing on his list, but can he do that? Suppose you're thinking about buying or downloading an album 
uh, some music. Should I click and buy? I mean, you don't have to listen, even listen to a soundbite. You don't even have to play it backwards. You don't even have to look for evil symbols on their cover. You don't even have to listen or find out information about these guys' lifestyle. You can just talk to your father about it. Surely he can let you know. Couldn't he? Couldn't he? I think he could. Can't God speak? Isaiah 44, 13 describes a man. And the prophets do this several times over in the Old Testament. They kind of make fun of people who make idols. And Isaiah 44, 13 describes a man cutting some wood and forming uh, some of it into an idol to worship. And then he uses another chunk of it for his fire to keep warm with. And to the one bit of wood that he keeps him warm with, then the other chunk of wood he bows down and worships. And he says, you know, save me. You are my God. He puts his eyes, he puts eyes, he carves eyes onto this piece of wood, but it can't see. He puts, he carves ears onto it, but it can't hear. He carves a mouth onto this thing, but it can't speak. Hands, but they can't do anything. But you see, our God has eyes. And they're eyes that can see. He has a mouth and he speaks. He has ears and they hear hands that move. And his invitation is that you ask and you pray. And that invitation is broad. He tells us to pray about everything. Everything. What you buy, what you wear, your hair, your love life, your education, your job, your friends, the big stuff and the little stuff and all the stuff in between. Ephesians 6.18, we are told, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. The invitation to pray just isn't broad. It's deep. It's deep, too. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's, it's a very brief verse. Very brief. In fact, it's, it's just two words. But it has a bit of depth to it. And it simply says this. Pray continually. Pray continually. Now, now what does it say? Does it say pray every day? No, not quite. doesn't say that. Does it say make prayer a priority? Have a daily quiet time in which you pray? Value prayer? Pray regularly? I mean, I suppose there are a lot of things that can slip in there, but take another look at that verse. The NIV says pray continually. King James says pray without ceasing. The living communicates it as always keep on praying. Philip's translation puts it as never stop praying. And the message says pray all the time. So prayer is something that is to be done always. Never stop without ceasing. So when you look back at Ephesians 6.18, which tells us to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, it's basically saying that we should pray about everything and pray all the time. And then we kind of get the idea of the breadth and the depth of this thing called prayer. We're to pray about everything and pray all the time. It's supposed to be like breathing for us. But obviously, what's described about prayer here in, in, in God's Word is not the usual way that we think about prayer, is it? I mean, we usually say, have a prayer time every day. But suppose we said, have a breathing time every day. I breathe five minutes in the morning, and I breathe five minutes before I go to bed. Or I breathe occasionally. Or I breathe when I feel the need. You see, prayer is like breathing. 
And we ought to see it as something that we need as badly as we need to breathe. Pray continually. It needs to be painted on the sky just to hold out before us as a goal for our life. And then maybe someday, maybe for you or for me, it would say on our tombstone, he or she never stopped praying. It might be a goal. Jesus told a story. It's recorded in in Luke 18, verses 1 through 6. And Luke writes that Jesus was making a point with this story that people ought to always pray and not give up. And not give up. And then the picture is of this widow and a judge. And the judge is unrighteous and the widow has, has this plea. And the widow, she goes out and camps on the judge's doorstep. And when he opens his front door in the morning, there she is. I want my justice. But this judge, who neither fears God or cares about people, he slams the door in her face and says, Go away! Get out of here! And after work, he comes out of the courthouse. And there she is in the parking lot, standing next to his camel. And, 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 and she says, I haven't got justice yet. And he shoes her away. Get away from here! What are you doing? He opens his courtroom door the next day. Hello? Remember my case? And then as the judge tries other cases in his courtroom, there she is, the widow, in the back row, holding up a sign that says, What about my case? The judge doesn't like this woman. But she torments him so much. He says, You know what? I don't care for God, and I don't care for this woman. But she's going to aggravate me to death, so I'm going to try her case and give her justice. And Jesus finishes his story by saying, yet God is loving and he's not unjust. What would he do for his children if they cried out, for him, cried out to him day and night? Nevertheless, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Now Jesus says here there are two points to his story. Actually, two questions to this. He says, God is not like the unjust judge. He's like a loving father. So the question is, what will God do if his children come to him day and night? And then the second question he asks is, but when I come back, will anybody be doing it? Those are his two questions. So when Jesus comes back, will he find anybody praying without giving up? Pray without ceasing. Or as Romans 12, 12 puts it, be constant or be faithful in prayer. Pray all the time. Now, can you think of any circumstance, any situation that would be better off without God helping you, if he would just stay out of it. Can't you see that it's a good thing to pray all the time and pray about everything? But, but how do you do that practically? How do you do that? I, I mean, I don't think it means that we go around praying on our knees all the time. I don't think that's what he means. But let me make just a few suggestions here. You see, this is something that you can do while you're doing other things. While working, while playing, while walking, whatever you're doing. Do you know that there is something that we do all the time? It's not breathing, but we do all the time while we do other things. You know what it is? Thinking. It's thinking. You never stop thinking. Thinking is something you do involuntarily. Can you have nothing in your mind? Even if you try to think about nothing, you're thinking about something. You really are. When, when you're washing the dishes, driving down the road, you are thinking something. Sometimes you think what you don't want to think. 
Even in your dreams, even in your dreams, you involuntarily think. You're in the middle of the dream and you think to yourself, oh, I'm dreaming. I need to get out of this dream. Even in your dreams, you're thinking. Thinking is an activity that just goes on and on and on. But here is what we can do. We can be determined to take every thought that we have and make a prayer out of it. Even those thoughts that are not good. We can even open those up to God. First, Second Corinthians 10.3 says that we could demolish every argument that sets itself up against God and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You know, sometimes we act like it's, it's sacred time on hee-haw. You know, okay, it's time for us to be serious and holy now, and we're going to sing some sacred songs. All right, we're done singing that. Let's pack it up and move on now. Get back to having a good time. You know, <laughs> it's not like that. You know, what I'm suggesting is whether or not God approves of your thoughts is that you go ahead and open up your thoughts to him anyway. Because he sees them anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's not clueless. He's another one. He knows what's going on. Juan Carlos Ortiz is a South American pastor who wrote the book Disciple and described turning his thoughts to prayer. And he, he begins his description like this, and he, he begins talking about his morning, starting his day and talking with the Lord. And he goes like this. Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Johnny. And that's God. God always calls him Johnny. Jesus, I'm in bed, not on my knees. I know. I slept really good. I saw that. Get up, Johnny. Yes, Lord. And then Juan would get up and take a shower and and then he would start using symbolism in his prayers. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm washing the outside. Will you wash the inside? Amen. And Juan would take time to confess any sins. And then leaving the bathroom, Johnny, clean up that puddle and that hair in the sink. But my wife can do that, Lord. Do it yourself, Johnny. Yes, Lord. Well, it's time to go, Lord. It's late. Yes, it is. Kiss your wife goodbye, Johnny. But Lord, it's late, Johnny. Yes, Lord. I'm leaving now, honey. Goodbye. I love you. And then his wife replies and says something like, oh, I thought you were leaving without a kiss. And as Juan walks out the door, thank you, Jesus, for letting me know how a woman wants to be loved. When Juan is out shopping, he turns his thoughts to the Lord. Hmm, what about that, Lord? I think I'll get that. You don't need that, Johnny. Then a beautiful woman would walk past him, and he would think, nice woman, Johnny. Now, Lord, I say all the time, nice tree, nice flower, and Lord, you can't tell me that that's not a nice woman. Johnny, Johnny, you know what I mean. Yes, Lord, I know what you mean. People would ask Juan, do you really pray like that? And he would just respond, do you think I say, Lord, this is not for you, don't look? Do you think Jesus comes into our hearts just to talk about the millennium and baptism? He wants to teach us how to live, how to be good kingdom people. Sometimes we think Jesus just hangs out at church and is not with us at other times. We go about ignoring him, and then when we have great need, then suddenly we want him to show up in full color. Well, what if I came to your house to spend a week with you, and the whole time when I sat down to eat with you or help wash the dishes, you just ignored me? 
And, and I would go into your living room and sit down with you in front of the TV. <laughs> this is a funny show, isn't it? But you just, you didn't say anything. And then going to bed in the evening, before I'd go down to my room, I'd say, good night, but you wouldn't respond. We passed each other in the hallway in the morning on the way to the shower. Good morning, but you just ignore me. And all day, you ignore me when I talk to you. And then Sunday comes, and at church, you see me and say, oh, how nice to see you. And I would say, what do you mean? I've been with you all week. We need to realize that the Lord is with us all the time. All the time. And since we don't ever stop thinking, and since the Lord always sees and always knows our thoughts, what we need to do is take every thought and turn it towards Him in prayer. Lord, I like this. Lord, I'm tempted by this. Lord, I like that too much. Lord, what should I do about that? And this is the one way that we can pray without ceasing. See, you can also turn into symbolism like Juan did, Juan Carlos. And, and, and when you're scrubbing your head in the shower, Lord, give me a brainwash. Renew my mind. When you're brushing those teeth, Lord, put a guard over my, my, my mouth. Let me just say what's helpful to others and, and, and build them up. And when you uh, go out to exercise or to run or ride your bike or whatever, I mean, what's the symbol there? Lord, help me run in the path of your commands or help me flee temptation. Uh, Lord, let me run this race well. Those are the kind of things that we can turn our thoughts to. To, do the, to, to really do this, you're going to have to make some deliberate attempts. You really are. And if you want something to become second nature, then it's not bad to practice until it becomes second nature. So it's not bad to devote some time to practice. I mean, a daily time to pray isn't bad. It's a, it's a rallying point so that you can say, I set this time especially aside for prayer so that when I get up from here, I'm still doing it until the next time I come back to this set place. Sometimes you just need to take one activity and, and make it into your set-aside time. You know, Jesus stayed up late to pray. He got up early to pray. He camped out in the desert to pray. He climbed up a mountain to pray. He spent an evening in the garden to pray. What you see with Jesus is special times and special places. And maybe it's a mealtime for you. Maybe, maybe it's when you're washing dishes, you can turn it into an act of prayer. Maybe you, as you vacuum the floor in your house, you can turn that into an act of devotion, an act of prayer. Lord, I do this for your glory. And right now I'm cleaning up this house. And Lord, I know there's lots of cleaning to do in other places too. And you just turn it into a prayer. It will help you to pray about everything and pray all the time. In making deliberate attempts, you sometimes need to ask each other and help each other. And you don't have to make a big deal about it. You know, every once in a while, you, just, you can just walk up to me and, and ask, are you? Are you? And all I have to say back to you is, no, but I'll start now. Or, as a matter of fact, I am. And then all you have to say is, good, keep it up. Just a few words. Just encourage each other. So, back to that story I started at the beginning. Dr. Lee? Dr. Lee and the freshman. Dr. Lee asks, does anyone here still believe in prayer? And that freshman boy stood up and he said, Dr. Lee, I do. And the professor then explained how he was going to do this experiment. And he asked, do you understand? Are you ready to pray? The boy answered, I've been ready. And then a real sarcastic voice, Dr. Lee said, okay, class, 
Let's all bow our heads for a moment of silence as the young man prays. And quite a few people did bow their heads. And Richard Harvey said that he kept his eyes open, though, and he peeked. And he was looking at that freshman boy as he prayed. And the freshman boy, he didn't bow his head or close his eyes, but he just said, Father in heaven, I thank you for hearing me today on this. And I, and I want to ask you what I've been asking you for quite some time, that you will not let this glass flask break for your name's sake and for your glory. Amen. And then Dr. Lee, holding the flask, said, Are you ready? Yes, sir. Then Dr. Lee reached out and he let go. And as it fell, God drew it in. It didn't fall down. It fell in. And it went down and it hit the toe of Dr. Lee's shoe and rolled off his shoe and onto the floor. And at that moment, the whole classroom started busting out laughing. And you know what? Dr. Lee never did his prayer lecture again at that school. Richard Harvey went home from that moment and got on his knees and just cried. Why didn't I have the courage to stand up for you, Lord? Why didn't I have the courage to stand up for you? You see, people are looking for believers. Now, those kind of things don't happen every day, those Elijah moments, and it may never happen to you, but it really doesn't matter because you've been given an invitation You've been given an invitation. And what do you believe about prayer? What do you believe about prayer? God has given us a broad and deep invitation. And would you be willing, would you be willing to let the Lord stir up a hunger in you to pray about everything and pray all the time? God, please make it so. Make it so.